Good morning. Praise God. So we're going to be talking this morning about a really, really important subject. It's called Conquered by God's Love. First of all, we're going to read a verse from the Bible, two verses actually, and amazingly, we actually sung them in our, in our last song this morning. Romans chapter 8 and two verses there, 35 and verse 37, it says this, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Then if you read in the Bible, that verse goes on to list a number of different things that perhaps could separate us from God's love. Things like when we don't have enough food. Things like when we don't have enough clothes to wear. When people are against us and hate us. And a number of other things. And so the question is this, can these things, can anything separate us from Christ's love? And here is the answer. It's very simple. No. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Now, that's another way of saying being a conqueror. A conqueror is someone who wins. We'll talk about that in a moment. So, can anything separate us from Christ's love? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And that is an amazing truth that is the foundation of everything that we're going to talk about this morning. And, and you need to hear it. And you need to let God speak that into your heart. There is absolutely nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. That means nothing can happen to us. Nothing that anybody else does to us. Not even the devil himself. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. In, in fact, as our verse tells us, when these negative things happen to us, when things don't go the way we plan them, the way we want them to, when things go against us, has anybody ever experienced that? No? Yes. <laughs> yes, we have. Probably you did this week. Probably you did yesterday. When these things happen in our life, not only can they never separate us from God's love, in other words, they cannot stop us experiencing the love of God. Not only that, but the Bible says when these things happen to us, God says we are overcomers. We are the ones that gain the victory over them. We are the ones who are conquerors. Some versions of the Bible says, say this, in these things, we are more 
than conquerors. Now yesterday, my wife will tell you, I was not feeling so well. I was feeling pretty rough. True? I was, I was, I was sick. And I did not know what to do. And, and, and I, I, was, I said to my wife, it's just not getting better. It's just not going. And my wife was taking care of me. Praise God. I wasn't playing acting, by the way, just to get sympathy. But my, <laughs> my wife was taking beautiful care of me, loving me. But then she prayed for me. And, and she laid hands on me. And she massaged my head, which was very nice. But she prayed for me. And God healed me. You see, that sickness could not separate me from the love of God. And if we will allow them to, when things like that happen, if we will turn to God, we will experience the greatness of his love and his power. If I just laid on my bed and said, oh God, where are you? You don't care about me. Your word doesn't work. You don't heal people. I won't experience God's love and that sickness will conquer me. You understand? If somebody is mean at you or unkind to you and you just say, it's not fair, nobody loves me. God doesn't even love me. Nobody cares about me. You won't experience God's love. That loneliness or that pain or that feeling of everybody against you, it will conquer you. But when we turn to God and we believe what he says, that's when we experience his love and his power. And that's what we want to talk about today. And so the word conquer... When I, was a, when I was a boy, we used to play a game called Conkers. Most of you have never, ever heard of that. We used to get a, a horse chestnut, not the ones you eat, the ones you can't eat. And we used to make a hole in it and tie it on the end of a piece of string. Sometimes we would soak it in vinegar or we would, we would bake it to make it hard. And then we would challenge each other. So one would hold their conquer up on the end of this string. Sometimes it was our, our shoelaces that we used. We would hold the conquer up and the other one would try to hit that conquer with theirs. I, I think it's been banned in England now because there were lots of broken fingers and wrists. But that's not the conquer that we're talking about. To conquer, you never have a, a, a clear picture of what I'm talking about now, will you? To conquer means to overcome or to win, to beat or to gain the victory. So if you are in a competition or a a sport and you were the winner, then you could say that you conquered, you defeated, you beat your opponent. And so the Bible says that God's love conquers everything. And we're going to talk today about how our hearts need to be conquered by God's love. Three points, really simple for us to follow. First of all, 
God's love never ignores sin, but always forgives it. Let me say that again. You've got blanks on your notes to fill in. The young people have as well as the adults. God's love never ignores sin, but always forgives it. Sometimes I think adults and young people, we, we wish that God would ignore sin. But we should be very, very thankful that he never does. He always helps us to know when there is sin in our heart. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. That is a characteristic of God's love. He loves us so much that when there is sin in our heart, he wants us to know about it because that sin will always separate us from him. And so God never ignores it. But he's always ready and willing to forgive. There's a story in the Bible. You'll find it in John chapter 8. It's, it's about a woman who some religious leaders brought to Jesus. And they, they threw her in front of Jesus. And they were accusing her of doing some awful sin. And so they said to Jesus, Jesus, you're a teacher. Now, the, the, the law says that this woman, because what she has done is so bad, she should be stoned. And what do you say? And the Bible tells us that they were trying to test or trick Jesus. They were trying to see what his response would be. Now, we, we must recognize this. This woman, had she done something wrong? Had she sinned? Apparently so. Yes, apparently she had. She had done something wrong. But the way that these religious leaders were dealing with it and treating her was not necessarily the right way. And to know what the right way is, we need to see how Jesus responded. You see, Jesus, God the Father, they're one person with the Spirit of God. So when we learn about Jesus, we learn about God. We learn about the Spirit of God. So how did Jesus respond? How would you respond? How would you respond right now if someone dragged a person into this auditorium and threw them down in front of you and said, this person has committed and then named what their sin. What would you do? It's a good question. What did Jesus do? Jesus responded in an interesting way. It says that he stooped down on the ground. And he began to write something in the dust that was on the ground. You say, what did he write? The Bible doesn't tell us. But he started to write something. Now, I don't think that he was in a nice, clean place like this. Maybe he was outside, or maybe the floor was just a dirt floor. But he started to write something in the dirt. 
And I can imagine that that possibly frustrated these religious leaders. What on earth is he doing? And they maybe said, well, Jesus, aren't you going to do something? And he, he got up and he said, he said, I tell you what we'll do. You see, the law of Moses did say that when somebody committed that sin, they should be stoned. But Jesus said, I tell you what we'll do. Whoever here has never sinned, you can be the first one to throw a stone at this lady. Fair enough. He's not saying that the law was irrelevant and was not to be followed through. But Jesus was doing something far greater than just dealing with one person's sin. He was showing the love of God to those religious leaders to show them that maybe they didn't do what this woman had done, but there was still sin in their heart. And so he said, fair enough. If you've never sinned, you throw the first stone. And the Bible tells us that one by one, starting with the oldest, they began to walk away until all of them had gone. Why do you think they all went? Simple question. Why do you think they all walked away? Why do you think that none of them picked up a stone and started to throw it at this lady? It's because they, had, they knew they had sin in their heart. You see, Jesus was so loving towards them that he wanted them to know that they had something in their hearts called sin, which was separating them from God. And so they all left. And Jesus stood up again. These are our verses in our notes. And said to the woman, so where are those who accused you? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said to her, neither do I. And then he said something really, really important. Go and sin no more. Something changed in the heart of that woman. She recognized that she had sinned. And she had disobeyed God. That she had sin in her heart. But the way that Jesus dealt with her helped her not to be condemned, but to repent, to be sorry, to recognize that there was sin in her heart that was separating her from God and that it had to be removed. And so Jesus said, I'm not condemning you. God God never condemns us. Did you realize that? When we do things that are, are wrong and sin against God, he never condemns us. He will convict us. In other words, he will make sure we know that there's sin in our heart. But always because he wants to set us free. 
from that sin. You see, the devil, will he'll tell you you've sinned, but he doesn't want you to get free from it. He wants you to carry it around with you like a big, heavy, impossible to carry weight. And, and he can never help you get free from it. Never. But Jesus, the Bible tells us, he is the one who is able to forgive us and to lift that sin out of our hearts and to make us free from the power of that sin. The adults will remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the power of sin and death, very real power. Remember that? How that we, if we have sin in our heart that is not dealt with, we're slaves to it. Do you remember? How that we live in darkness, how that we're dead in our sin. Jesus, by his love and the love of the Father, is the one who conquers that sin. His love conquers our sin. It sets us free from it when we acknowledge that we need Jesus to save us. Jesus said to this woman, I don't condemn you. Jesus says to us today, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live with sin in your heart. Jesus will take that away. His love is so powerful that it has the ability to set us free if we will trust in him and depend on him and believe in him as our savior. Now God never, never ignores sin, but he always forgives. You know, some, sometimes people say, well, God can never forgive me for what I've done. That's just not true. God will forgive us whatever we have done when we come to him and allow his love to conquer our hearts. Number two, are you following this morning? You keeping up? God's love never rejects us. God's love never rejects us, but brings us closer to him. I want to refer to another story also found in the book of John. Have you read the book of John recently? If you haven't, I recommend it. It's got a great name. It's a great book. And in this story that we're going to look at this morning, it's a story about a man called Peter. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus. And He was bold and courageous. How many bold and courageous people do we have here this morning? One, two, three. How many bold and courageous young people? Yes, Rakesh. How many bold and courageous people younger than Rakesh do we have here this morning? Under 16. You're not under 16. We have one at the back. Praise God. It's good to be bold and courageous when God is leading us. And Peter was, was, he was always jumping forward. I'll do that. Me, me, me. Pick me. And he loved Jesus with all of his heart. He really did. But sometimes he said things 
without stopping to think first. And, and he made this promise to Jesus. He said, I will never leave you. I will die for you. And I'll never abandon you. And then one day, a little bit later, when Jesus had been arrested, and just before he was crucified, you can read in John chapter 18 that this same Peter kind of changed a little bit. Because when those that had arrested Jesus came to Peter and said, you're one of his disciples. I've seen you with him. You're one of his followers, aren't you? Peter said three times, no, I don't know him. And he spoke with some really strong language. And he, he denied that he had ever had anything to do with Jesus. Imagine how Jesus might have felt. Here Jesus is, he's been arrested by Roman soldiers who are threatening to take him to a false court. And he knows that he will be crucified. That's what God had planned for him. And all of a sudden, his closest followers abandon him. They leave him. They're nowhere to be seen. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like when you needed someone around you to help you in the most difficult of circumstances, <laughs> it seemed like there was no one there and everybody just ran away and it was just you? How do you feel when that happens? Lonely? Tell me some of those feelings you might have. Lost? That's a good one. Abandoned? You'll have to shout. Frustrated? Any more? Louder? Rejected? I, I haven't heard any positive or pleasant feelings. They've all been quite negative. Yeah? That's because it's a negative experience. It's not pleasant. And this is what Jesus experienced, not just by, from Peter, but from all of his followers. And we might think, if that happened to us, well, they didn't stand with me when I needed them. So if they want to be my friends, they can forget it. It's over. You know, they say a friend in need is a friend indeed. Well, they were not there when I was in need, so they're not really my friend. And we can allow those negative feelings to motivate, to move our hearts so that we effectively do just the same thing to those people as they did to us. We call that retaliation. And we justify it. We say, well, they did it to me. So who cares if I do it to them? What does it matter? They're not a real friend. And we judge people. It's interesting when you keep reading. Let me just read these verses to you. But one, one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose 
whose ear Peter had cut off. I can't stop and explain that story. You'll have to read it. Yes, Peter actually cut someone's ear off. Can you imagine that? But then Jesus just picked it up and healed it. Wow, really happened. When that person asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied and immediately a rooster crowed. Now, what's so significant about that? You know what a rooster is? It goes, hang on, we've got an impersonation. How does it go? Cock-a-diddle-doo. There we go. That's how a rooster goes. <laughs> it's a male chicken. Is that right? The reason that's so significant is that sometime earlier, Jesus had actually said to Peter, you, you'll deny me. You'll, you will deny that you even knew me three times. And as soon as that's happened, the rooster will crow. And it happens. It happens. Peter actually did this. But I want us to jump forward to John chapter 21 now. Jesus has gone through that crucifixion. He has been buried in the tomb. The power of God has raised him from the dead. Yes, that actually happened. And as one who had been resurrected from the dead... He was walking around and people were seeing him. That would freak a few of us out, wouldn't that? If somebody we knew had died suddenly appeared. This is what happened. Over 500 people saw Jesus raised from the dead, including his disciples. And one day, Peter and some others, they had gone back to their work. They were fishermen. Do we have any fishermen here? I used to go fishing once. I was absolutely useless at it. Hardly ever caught anything except the cold. Peter, it was his trade. And so he had decided once Jesus had died and was buried, he said, I'm going back fishing. And so he did. And then something quite incredible happened. Whilst he was fishing with his mates, they looked out from the boat to the beach, and there was Jesus walking on the beach. And they recognized him. And they, they, I don't know whether they were not very good fish, fishermen, but they'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything. And where, let me just fill you in on this. When Jesus first met Peter, something similar had happened. He'd been fishing, Peter had, caught nothing, and Jesus caused them to have a miraculous catch of fish. And then right At this moment, after Jesus had died and raised from the dead, the same thing happens. Jesus does a miracle, and the nets of these fishermen are suddenly packed full of fish. And Peter can't wait. So he puts his coat on, and he jumps into the boat, and he makes it to the beach, and there's Jesus. And Jesus has got breakfast ready for them. Hey, guys, if you want to be... Jesus to your wives, maybe you could get breakfast ready for her every now and then. And all the wives said, (laughs) but ladies, Jesus dwells in you also. Kids, children, young people, he dwells in you as well. And you can get breakfast ready for your parents sometimes. And all the parents said, Please be careful. 
So here's breakfast ready, and Jesus wants to talk with Peter. What do you think he's going to say? Hmm? Where were you when I needed you? You told me you would never leave me. You ran away at my, in my hour of greatest need. No, he didn't say that at all. He asked him a question. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I do. And Jesus said, good. Get on with the work that I've given you. Feed my sheep. Tend to my lambs. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about real animal sheep. He was talking about people who were following him. Peter had been raised as a disciple And Jesus would say, look, sure, you messed up. You denied me. But listen, I'm not going to allow that to separate us. I don't reject you because you did that. You see, here is a wonderful characteristic of God's love. Even when we sin against him, he never, ever pushes us away. He never holds us away. But always looks for how he can bring us back close to him. And this is what Jesus was doing with Peter. I know you love me. Now come on, Peter. There's work to do. I'm not going to allow the fact that you denied me. He never even mentioned it. I'm not going to allow that to separate us. And sometimes adults and young people, we can do things that we feel are always going to separate us from God. But listen, God's love wants to conquer that in our hearts and bring us close to God, to where we are one with Him. God will never, never, Hold something we have done against us and put it in between us and him. Isn't that an amazing love? Isn't that sometimes quite different to human love? Isn't that different to how sometimes perhaps we react when somebody lets us down or rejects us or abandons us? Sometimes maybe we we do hold them away from us. Maybe we even do that with God. When we feel he hasn't done what we want him to do, maybe we, we try to hold God away. But my friends, what we need to do is to let God's love conquer our hearts. Let that characteristic of his great love become a characteristic of our hearts as well. And the only way that we can ever love with the same love that God loves is by allowing him to conquer our heart with his love and love us with his love. The last point I want us to talk about is this. God's love is so great, it can conquer all the sin of the world. That's how great God's love is. The Bible says this, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized, valued, treasured the world, the people in the world, 
that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. That's how great, that's how vast, that's how big, that's how powerful God's love is. It has the ability to conquer the sin in the heart of every single person. And that, my friend, is why Jesus died on that cross at Calvary. Let me read you this verse out of Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly helpless in our sin, Christ came at just the right time and died for us who were sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for a good person or an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Would you? That's a big question, isn't it? Would we be willing to die for someone else? Would we be willing to give our life so that another person can live? Maybe if that person was really, really good. Perhaps. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Not because we were so good, but even while we were so bad, while we were sinners. You know, that is one of the greatest characteristics of God's love. It doesn't just love those who are good or who are lovely or who are in right standing or who people think a lot of. God's love is so great that it loves everyone. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us anymore. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us any less. God's love is so great, it has the ability to conquer the hearts of every single person in the world. Have you let God conquer your heart? Does his love live inside you? Do you know what it's what it is to be loved by God so that then we can love like God? My friends, whatever age we are, from the very, very youngest here today right through to Rakesh, who isn't the oldest, by the way, all of us, whatever age, we come into this, the good of this great love of God, this limitless love, this love that never ignores sin, but is always willing to forgive, this love which never rejects us, never pushes us away, but always seeks to bring us close to him. What do we do to experience that? We let God love us. We open our hearts Even though we have sinned, we open our hearts and let God come in 
to cleanse us from our sin. To forgive us. To give us new and eternal life. Just like Nina and Unyang, when they were baptized, they were raised up out of that water into new and eternal life. We can all experience that same love. That same forgiveness. That same closeness of God. God's love has the power to conquer us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I haven't forgotten the goodies. I haven't forgotten. We're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll sort those out. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that it is so great that it never changes. Thank you that you are always willing to forgive when we come to you and we acknowledge that we have sinned. You are always willing to forgive. Thank you that you never push us away. Even when we have done really, really bad things and not even when we've done good things, there's nothing that you ever allow to come in between us. You always want to draw us close. You always want to get rid of that sin in our hearts. Father, I pray that every single one of us here today will know the greatness of your love in Jesus' name. Amen.